For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wait a minute. So is he is the white guy saying that he's blacker than me? He's the decision maker for what's good and bad for black America? Based on what? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of the Blurred Girl podcast. I am your host, Karen Mahorn, aka The Blurred Girl. Now, I was actually going to hit you with an entirely different podcast today. And then over the weekend, this happened. I woke up to the news that Orlando Jones, uh, the actor that plays Mr. Nancy on American Gods, was fired from that show on Stars. Now, This wasn't from a news outlet. This was actually from him going on social media. I reached out and I asked him through DMs on Twitter, would he grant me an interview the day that he went public with this? He was gracious enough to give me uh, this exclusive interview, which I'm putting on my podcast simply because I did not want to write his words. I wanted people to hear what he had to say for himself. Now, what's ironic about this is almost exactly a year ago, I had my first interview with Orlando Jones. He was a guest on this very podcast in one of my most favorite interviews I have ever done. We had spoken about his legendary role as a Nancy on American Gods, and the show was adapted from a Neil Gaiman novel, who was actually actively a part of the show and who Jones was thrilled to work with. We also set the record straight on the circumstances around his leaving another favorite science fiction primetime show a few years ago called Sleepy Hollow. Still not happy about what they did to Abby, but he cleared up a lot of things and that he knew he was going to leave the show. It was an amicable split back then. And despite fans' opinions, he knew exactly what was happening. And in fact, he even suggested it when, when showrunners came to him and told him that they were taking the show in a different direction. Because he didn't have a problem with how that show ended, I was stunned to see him stay on Twitter that not only was he fired, but that the actual firing had taken place back on September 10th. He waited till December 14th to go public with this. So not only had we heard nothing in the media or from the show, American Gods was has been advertising their season three and has been basically announcing all of the new cast members like Danny Trejo and Wale and a bunch of other people. No mention that Orlando Jones was not returning to the show. It all seems to lead back to the new showrunner, Charles Chick Egley, who was appointed earlier this year. And that's not new. Uh, Everybody knew that that was all in the news. Um, And he was appointed by the show's production company, Fremantle. Now, he wasn't named but described by Jones in his social media tirade. Um, And Jones made it very clear that this new showrunner was not only responsible for his firing, but that this same showrunner thinks that Mr. Nancy's angry get shit done, quote unquote, 
is the wrong message for black America. Now, if you remember, he's referring to Mr. Nancy's speech from season one that was centered around anger and the origin of black pain. I will link that speech um, in the show notes. Now, American Gods, as amazing as a show it was season one, has had some very public issues. The original showrunners were fired after season one, both Gillian Anderson and then, I, as I mentioned, apparently Kristen Chenoweth and Chris, Crispin Glover uh, have left. So it's been having problems. And then there were rumors of really crazy things happening in the writer's room season two. Nothing I could actually corroborate until this interview. Now, despite season two having yet again some amazing dialogue and outfits, hello hats, from Anansi and seeing Gitide Budaki as Bilquis in her full goddess regalia tell everyone in one of my most favorite scenes that she was basically reclaiming her time. And basically, despite having the most brown people in a high-profile show live to see the end of a full season. And one, and I'm basically referring to the mortuary scene in... Uh, I believe it's episode four with a Nancy Bilquist and Ebus, three black gods having a discussion about trafficking and the seemingly meaningless lives of women of color. And it was so profound that scene that it went viral basically last month. But what's so interesting about that is it went viral. Now that I'm looking at the dates after Jones was fired from the show, but none of us knew that then. And one of the reasons why that, scene resonated and did go viral was because Orlando Jones wrote it, but nobody knew that either. Now, how do I know that? Because he told me. There are so many questions that I had for him, but I definitely asked some of the ones that I think everybody else was asking. Why was he fired? Why did he wait so long to tell everyone? What can we as fans do now for all the folks maybe still left on the show or what does he want us to do? And would he want to go back? Like, do you know, would we want to mount a Nancy campaign and let him, you know, go back on the show. Honestly, TLDR, I don't think he wants to go back. He's pretty, pretty clear about that. Um, but don't take my word for it. Listen to what uh, Orlando has to say for himself. So let's take a break and pay some bills. And then after that, you will hear my interview with actor, writer, producer, and perennial fanboy, Orlando Jones. If you've been following me for any length of time, then you know I stay busy and it's really hard for me to get in all the reading that I want to do. So that's why I'm a huge fan of Audible. Now I listen to them when I'm cleaning the house, traveling. They're especially great for passing the time on those long lines at the airport. Now currently I'm listening to Akata Witch for three reasons. One, I'm a fan of Nettie Akor4's writing. Um, she writes incredible science fiction featuring African women. Two, it's been dubbed the Nigerian Harry Potter. And three, because Yatita Badaki, who was just on the show recently, is narrating it. Now, what I love about audiobooks like this is that kind of like scripted podcasts, they are like listening to old time radio programs. And I love that. But don't take my word for it. Start your own commitment-free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. You can choose from one audiobook and two Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Also, any credits that you don't use totally roll over to the next month. So start your 30-day free trial today by going to audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. Now, back to the show. Today, you it was announced publicly. This is you've known this since September 10th. 
that you yes. were leaving or you were fired, let's put be plain, um, from American Gods. Now, what's interesting is a year ago we talked <laughs> and we talked then actually about how you left Sleepy Hollow and it was very amicable when you were talking about Sleepy Hollow and it was about, you know, the show was just going in different directions and things like that and you had love, you know, for everybody. So that's why when I saw your viral tweet, I was like, nope, this is a very different story. Yes. And the the original showrunners for the and the creators of the show, Michael Green, Brian and Brian Fuller, they left the show after season one, correct? Yeah, they got fired uh, in the off season after season one. Right, and then in the interim, they brought in Jesse Alexander, I believe that's his name. Yes, he came in as the new showrunner for season two. Right, and then it seemed like this was very public in the press how they didn't they didn't fire him; they just didn't let him do anything. <laughs> And then the new showrunner uh, came in. I believe his name is Charles Egley. Yes, yes. I mean, they, they, you know, they covered up the madness of what transpired in season two as best they could. Um, but yes, that 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 was part of you know, it's part of what makes this so such a bitter such a situation. To be honest with you, because what transpired was that we all had a table read after Michael and Brian had been fired and. You know, Jesse Alexander was the new showrunner and they called us up and said, hey, we're, you know, we're coming back. And we're like, whoa, it's been 19 months. Right. So <laughs> really, uh, they gave us no notice. And suddenly you're like, oh, well, got to you know, move my family and let them know. And we first let's fly out and read the script. And we did. And when that table read is over, the first person who said the script is, you know, got some issues and is not working was Neil Gaiman. Mm. And, you know, we expected to see changes, obviously, and I, those changes, you know, didn't didn't really come forth. And that's not to say that Neil didn't put in the effort. It's to say that that wasn't his job. It was Jesse Alexander's job because yeah. he was a showrunner. And to be fair, Neil was running another show at the time. <laughs> yeah, he had good omens so, going on, right? Exactly, exactly. So he wasn't there. I mean, it was amazing that he managed to make it in for the table read as he did, but... You know, he was like, well, what is this? And and frankly, you know, as I say in my video, I have to thank Neil because Neil was the person who came up to me when we were filming at House on the Rock and was like, we don't know what to do with this character. Will you write a Bible for Mr. Nancy and, you know, help us out here? And I said, okay, great. And you I see, I don't think a lot of people realize that. I think a lot of people feel like you walked into the role. They don't realize that you wrote the Bible for the character and then season two you were also well, producing right? season two okay that happened in season two Got so it. we were we were literally there we did the table read the next time i saw neil was when we were shooting at house on the rock and that's when he came up to me and said hey you know i'd love for you to get involved here and so you know i wrote a character bible at the beginning of season two as we were beginning production he read that bible and sent me a message back which was one of the highlights of my you know as a nerd and a neil gaiman fan mm -hmm. he said all caps he was like i fucking love it spread it around and and that opened the door and i ended up frankly because other black characters were in the scenes with me and I wasn't the only character that was being underwritten. It was all of the characters of color. So mm -hmm. it was shadow moon was problematic. Bilkos was clearly problematic. Um, Ibis was problematic. Salim and the Jinn were problematic. I mean, all of those characters were the ones that had, were just sort of floating in no man's land. And I took over authorship of all those characters. 
Wow, I don't think anybody really realizes that. And that's explaining why you have that amazing scene in the in in the morgue with Bill Quist and with. Um, it was, yeah, well, it, that happened to be literally because they they had come to me. I wasn't in episode three. It was really, frankly, Ian McShane that was adamant that I be in episode two because they had planned to not put me there either. So I ended up, you know writing my stuff in episode one and then writing my stuff in episode two and I wasn't in episode three and suddenly they in their own construction because I wasn't controlling the story moves and all those things have been mapped out and approved by other people. So I stepped in and was like, oh, okay, you want me to do what? And I read episode four and I was like, why are they worshiping a white Jesus? And why is why are black gods worshiping a white Jesus? I don't understand. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And especially Bilquis's character, my God, she's older than them all. That's why her lines were so right. amazing. It made no sense. So I was like, all right, I'm going to write this scene about the war. And that's where that scene in four came from, because they'd always intended that to be, you know, Nancy's monologue. But the monologue was garbage, really. And I jumped in with Rodney Barnes and, you know, we started working and then Rodney had episode five. So we just worked on that together and then jumped in episode six and episode seven. I wasn't in, but Rodney and I were, you know, really the authors of episode, you know, eight. And that was kind of the madness of it. Right. So they ended up having to give me a consulting producer credit because the writer's guild forced them to because they were like, he's writing a lot of characters on your show. Too many hours. They have to. That's too many hours. That's too many characters. And they tried not to. I mean, they, they absolutely tried to act like what was weird was I'm like, guys, you asked me to do this. I didn't force my way into your writing room. You hired me. You didn't write anything for my character in season two. You asked me to help. I did because you guys refused to do it for the other characters. I ended up getting more requests from other executive producers to do the same thing. I did the job. You spoke to my manager all through the off season. You sent me the congratulations on season three and thank you because without you, we never would have had a season three and thanks for all your work and blah, 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 which was really the only reason I did all that work in season two was the understanding that I would be a writer producer and stuff up front going into season three after having worked my ass off to get season two done. Right. And after months of them talking back and forth with my manager and we were hiring a new thing and we'll get back at you. I got a random phone call on September 10th. Like, yeah, we're going in a different creative direction. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Okay. I mean, you haven't given me any notice. I don't have, unlike Sleepy Hollow, we were under, we understood what was going to happen. We mm-hmm. made an agreement that, you know, you were going to fight, you know, you were going to kill that character. I knew that they were going to change the show and I had suggested it. I suggested to them at the end of season one, when I got on the phone with them and I realized that a new showrunner was coming in then and that that showrunner didn't have a lot of interest in writing uh, Frank Irving. Right. So my suggestion to, Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi was, why don't you kill him at the end of season two? And that way, you know, I'll, you know, so that we don't have to get into any of this drama and this guy can write the show that he wants to write about Ichabod Crane. But that's not the show I signed up to do. I signed up to do a show that was about, you know, Abby Mills and, 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 you know, and my family. And yeah. that's why we went and got Joe Marie Jones and Amanda Stenberg and all, you know, and, and Lindy Greenwood. So if that's what you want to write, which is entirely your, your prerogative, then fire me and well, not, not fire me, but kill me. Yeah. And we all agreed, right? It was totally cool because 
I had asked for that because I saw what the handwriting on the wall was. Right. In this case, that's not what happened. No, you were brought in. They asked you to come help fix several problematic characters in the show, fix the script, bring it to the next and level. And then Right. And after they... After the show gets picked up for season three and it opens well and it's great and I did not throw anybody at the bus. I didn't tell anybody that episode three is extremely problematic and had to be heavily, heavily rewritten. Literally, the producers are going, hey, this doesn't work at all. We've got to throw out like the bulk of this episode on Twitter taking credit for my work in, in season and in, in episode uh, four, season two. I'm like, you didn't write that speech. You didn't write any of that stuff between uh, the, the black characters. You didn't write that stuff. Let me be very clear. Right. Mm. At the end of the day, I'm not mad at neither writers or in the cast or any of that. But what I'm saying to you is this, there was a system there that was rewarding somebody who was refusing to do work. And that work had a, a dramatic effect on the people of color who needed to say those words. So why was I writing New, uh, new Media's Birth? Because yeah. no one else had written it properly. Mm. And no one wanted it to go the K-pop way because none of them cared about or even really had any interest in pushing it in that direction. Well, it was obvious in that you hired this Korean-American actress. Okay, it was obvious in the way that you were all of the accoutrement that you put around her, but you wouldn't call it K-pop. So my point is that responsibility fell on me. It was her episode. I wasn't even acting in said episode. So am I mad at her for that? No, because the studio and the network, the studio is the one that approved her. Mm -hmm. And the studio is the one that said, this is okay and let us shoot it. Yeah. And the studio was the one that was screaming at me, telling me, don't do this, while the executive producers are screaming, somebody needs to do it because we don't have anything to shoot on Wednesday. That's insane. <laughs> so that my is point is, is that while I'm not mad at any of those people, I'm just being honest about what the experience was like for me. So you asked me to do a job that I didn't ask to do. You were supposed to write my character. That was your job. I, mean, I didn't write the slave speech. Michael Green and Brian Fuller did. Right, but I mean, the sh it's, so it definitely sounds like the show ain't been right since they left. That's exactly right. So <laughs> that's exactly right. And me and Chris Byrne fought our asses off to make season two what it was. So all of that visual effects work and all of the, that work, that was Chris Byrne doing that work, okay? In the absence of David Slade, the show maintained it look, its look because of Chris Byrne. Um, the person who was pulling her hair out and figuring out how to move all the schedule around uh, as a producer, Lisa Kustner. So Lisa Kustner, Chris Byrne, and myself, and a guy named um, Patty, who was uh, the uh, editor, Patrick McKinley, we busted our balls to make season two as good as it could be in the face of the horrible circumstances they handed us. The difference is they're paying Chris Byrne is a consultant. Lisa Kushner is still the producer on American Gods. Patrick went to go do something else. And on September 10th, they came out of nowhere and fired me. So it is as I said to them from the very beginning. I'm the second class citizen. What they should have done is told me earlier on, hey, we're going to let you go so I can have the ability to go work on another show and, you know, go do something else. Yeah. Did they I mean, like I was on that show for th that show took up three and a half years of my time. Mm -hmm. I worked I worked 21 days. Mm. Can you explain for people who don't understand how Hollywood contracts work? Yeah. So when you sign on to a show, any premium show like an American God, 
obviously they don't want you to be able to go be on Showtime or HBO or something like that and be on and the eight o'clock time slot on on their show, you know, on, on HBO while you're on the eight o'clock time slot on stars. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. You know, in those scenarios, uh, it's called your television rights. So in essence, you've sold your television rights to Fremantle for this particular show, right? So that means if during the off-season there's some new show that's coming up and they're like, man, you know, it'd be amazing. We should get Orlando Jones and have them Kim star in it. Well, if that's a show on a premium channel, all right, you're in direct conflict to your contract, all right? It's, it's pretty straightforward. LeBron... LeBron cannot play for two teams at once. Just like one team. Mm. That's mm -hmm. what it is. So yeah. they, don't let you, they don't let you go with two teams. So um, um, they, they're, they're, they're buying a premium player services and they are expecting and hoping that fans of that premium player are going to show up on, you know, to their air and that they will get the, the win and the benefit for that. So because Amazon is the, is the international distributor, then they get, Obviously, they get it too, right? So that means that I can't just go jump on another show um, during an off-season because, in effect, I sold my rights, my television rights, to Fremantle. And ergo, vis-a-vis uh, -vis to, to Fremantle, and Fremantle has entered into a contract with stars on the show. So in that essence, they're holding your television rights. So that means that when they announce season three, you pretty quickly want to tell people who you're going to use yeah. if you're going to get rid of characters and who you're going to keep because that allows those people to go get a job on Showtime or HBO or wherever else yeah. they want to go. Mm -hmm. um, and at this juncture in my career, I don't, I don't do a lot of network stuff unless I just kind of visit in because it, it's not the type of work that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So that means you're keeping me out of the premium pay space. Yeah, that and that was personal. So, yeah, I can go do a movie, and I, you know, I'll still do my stuff with, you know, with with sci-fi and NBCU and all of the other stuff that I do, you know. But as an actor, that's where you are. So I needed them. What they normally would have done, what Sleepy Hollow certainly did, was into season two they shoot a let over and say you've been amazing thank you so much you know thank you for all the work you did incredible thank you blah 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 blah. and we wish you the best hey i wish you guys the best too and you know and you can now go do whatever you want to do right because you don't have rights that belong to anybody right but they, so, they effectively yeah it's it and that they effectively sort of held your contract hostage that's and that's that's the part well, well what they did was by not telling me they essentially keep you from being able to go star in another show. So in essence, they are essentially going the way we're going to keep him from being somewhere else and keep fans from being able to see him perform somewhere is by not telling him until September in the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, the show was already going, it was in pre-production and actors were flying in the following week. You knew before then if you were going to use or not use Mr. Nancy. Yeah. Okay. So in essence, that means that you made a very conscious decision to try and hurt me personally. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause that, so that's, that's what, that's what you guys did. You did that. And then that decision is exacerbated by the fact that you sat here with your digital teams and watched all those clips go viral just like mm -hmm. I did. 
And it was free advertising for them. And you didn't, while while people were adding you and tagging you saying, I can't wait to see Mr. Nancy in season three. And you still didn't do the honorable thing and say, By the way, he's hey, not coming back. let's figure out how we're going to let fans know what it is. I can say it's not personal, but it was absolutely directed at me personally. There's no other way for me to and interpret. And it also doesn't sound like they care about your fans. Two-year contract and only 21 days of work is, is ridiculous. Three years, because they had a 19-month hiatus where they also kept me out of work. Wow. So my point is, you held me up for three years. Then you didn't do the job that you were supposed to do as producers and write the character. You had my contract. You knew I was in an all-episodes-produced contract. So you didn't do it. Then you asked me to do the job. Then you got mad at me for doing the job. And then you hold my rights all summer long when I could have gone to do a myriad of other things. And then you decide to fire me on a humbug phone call that didn't even like, what is this? Like, that's just that is some really fucked up treatment. But Orlando, explain to me why you waited so long why did you I wait? sat and waited and after december 10th to even say anything because i was like let me give them the opportunity to at least go hey he's no longer gonna be a part of the show okay Th this is how i this is how i operate forward myself okay let, on september 10th you guys call me up and tell me that's the case the next thing i would expect to do is get an official letter from you saying hey blah 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 so first i was waiting on that to show up and then it didn't show up and I was like, that's weird. And then I was like, let me call the Screen Actors Guild and just make sure that I'm clear so that I can go work again because they're holding my television rights in premium pay. And I want to go do the Good Lord Bird uh, with Ethan Hawke, which I did go do. And I had to sort of maneuver around their fuckery to get that done. So now cut to it's November and they're announcing new cast on the show left and right, but not telling anybody that I'm not back. And Matt Sweeney's no, not No, you're back. still on the poster. <laughs> right. So I'm like, hmm, okay. Then, then the craziness started to happen, which is that scene from season two, episode four, went viral. And mm -hmm. I didn't post it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then first it went viral on Instagram. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Right? Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Then it went viral on Facebook. And one of my buddies sent it to me and was like, yo, man, I just saw this, man. Yesterday, this thing had like 150,000 views. Now it's at a million. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. So then it goes viral on Twitter. <laughs> and I just put a comment in like, hey, when I wrote this scene, I thought they'd never air it. And then it blew up again. I remember seeing that. That's when I clocked Right. It. And then I was like, oh, wow. I... I guess I should comment and at least, you know, say tag Rodney Barnes and, you know, I, you know, say, hey, this is me and Rodney, you know, blah, blah, thank you so much. And it kept going. It kept going. Then, then other scenes from season two started to crop up and more stuff from season one started to crop up. And I'm like, all right, by the end of November, they're going to take me off the poster and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll announce it and, you know, everything will be fine. So just so I'm just yeah. clear, that that scene went viral after you heard that you were no longer going to be part of the show. Just and, oh, yeah, and so I you're know. sitting there watching all of this, going, "Okay, well that's interesting because I'm not going to be there anymore." That's exactly right. And all I'm watching is people online going, "Holy crap, what is this show? 
Oh, where is this from? I got to watch this. I dropped it off. Oh, my God. That's what they're doing? Holy shit and nonsense. So all I'm seeing is messages. And people are DMing me. Yeah. Brother, thank you. This needs to be said right now. You know, I can't believe that, you know, you're talking about these things. I mean, African-American women, Asian women, Indian women, all the women who are of color who are deeply affected by human trafficking. I mean, people are coming. I mean, my DM is on fire. And all they're saying is, season three, man, what's Mr. Nancy going to do? Season three. Now, I'm fired. I know it. And I can't. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do here? <laughs> am yeah. I going to just am I going to just wait until season three comes out and let people go? Nigga, why didn't you say nothing? Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> I, I DM'd you yeah. to tell you that you touched my heart, mm -hmm. that what you did affected me in a, in a way deeper than television. And you ain't saying nothing. So I waited until December. <laughs> then I went out to L.A. and shot an augmented reality project last week with Intel. Mm -hmm. My manager and I are talking back and forth. My manager is a black woman. And she's like, it's time. We've given them every opportunity to do the right thing. We have acted respectfully in every way that we possibly could. You got to do a video and let people know what's what. You, because your DMs are on fire on every platform with people screaming for more Mr. Nancy and people screaming that they want to see more shit written by you. And they clearly want you to have more of a say-so in the things that you are doing because this is the type of stuff that they want to hear. And they're not hearing it in other places. So you've got to respond. Just what I know of you, I knew this wasn't a knee-jerk thing, even though a lot of people might think it. I'm like, no, he just said September 10th. No, I waited. Yeah, the other thing, I just need to clarify this. The showrunner came to you and said Mr. Nancy was too bad for black America and that he could write a black character better? <laughs> I don't understand. Can you just, This is what this like, guy did, right? Now, mind you, he, wouldn't, he didn't speak to me. Okay. This is this is Eggly, the showrunner. Okay. This is chick Eggly, the showrunner, right? But what he did was he went around to everybody else and told them that angry gets shit done. Mr. Nancy and his message was bad for black America and that he writes from a black male perspective. These are his words. Okay. So so I'm like, wait a minute. So is he is the white guy saying that he's blacker than me and that he sits in the chair He's the decision maker for what's good and bad for black America. Based on what? Wait, so, like, so he thinks that he can write better black material. Here's all I can say to you. His own words are he writes from a black male perspective. Okay. You know what? Those are his words. Those are not my words. It, if I was just going to look through what he's done, you're trying to tell me the writer of, of the shield has... <laughs> understands the Hold black on. experience That's right. we, That's right. like, if, we're you, gonna like go there like the <laughs> hold on hemlock grove not exactly. a black person exactly. in sight but you write from a black male perspective exactly i saw you beating up black people on the shield nothing about your work suggests that you write from a black male perspective but you had no compunction walking into the rooms of Fremantle and other places and telling people that and nobody stopped you. Nobody said, hey, maybe this isn't the right way to go since most of our characters on American Gods are disenfranchised. Maybe we should pause this hiring. Now, if you can piece together for me how a white man who's not in any way disenfranchised writes from a disenfranchised person's perspective, 
if you can explain to me how he knows racism better than I do, though he's never experienced it, then, you know, I don't know how I, I can't I'm not trying to put any words in his mouth. Those are his words. Whatever that means to you, it doesn't communicate. It doesn't connect to me, because if you've never experienced racism, then I don't know how the fuck you could write about it. Just like if you've never experienced sexism, you can paw at it, but you can't really get into the bowels of what those feelings are because you're not a woman and you don't know what it's like to really walk those shoes. So right, you can sympathize, under- but you can't empathize. That's correct. Like, it's difficult to fully empathize. You can parrot what you heard. You can parrot what somebody else tells you, how that experience turned them and the weird ways that they felt. But what you can't do is say you've experienced sexism. I don't know what that is. Right. So I ain't going to tell nobody that I write from that perspective. Yes, I try and write female characters and I hopefully do a reasonable job of it, primarily because I was taught to write by a bunch of black female writers. You know, Susan Fales and the the Yvette Lee Bowsers of the world. I came up with those women. So I learned a lot from them about how to write those characters. But I do not write from a black female perspective. That is bullshit. I write from a black male perspective. And Brian Fuller, as a gay man who you know, grew up in an abusive fucking household, he has a lot of empathy points that allowed him to be able to see and write along with Michael Green what you saw on that slave ship. But to be fair, that information is publicly available. If that's a very good writer going in saying, I I can write from this perspective because I know what it feels like to be disenfranchised and I know what it feels like to be beat down because I've literally had that experience. So I don't know what the Connecticut Yale boys experience is. I don't know. Right. But I know that there's a certain amount of arrogance and what I call racism for you to fix your mouth to say something like you write from a black male perspective. Okay. That's what it is to me. Now, maybe I'm being knee jerk. Okay. But I call that racist. The fact that you think you get to decide what's good for black America and that you don't have any compunction about saying that I consider that white privilege and racism on steroids. By the way, this is hilarious because Gabrielle Union is blowing me up right now because of what she just went through with the same company. So literally, I get off the phone with you and I hop on with her. That's exactly – that's so funny that you just said that because I kind of clocked that a little bit. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is Gabrielle Union and you both you know, dealing with the same you know issue here? Wait a minute. With the same – Mel um, B said the same thing. Nick Cannon said the same thing. Heidi Klum said the same thing. Everybody has said the same thing. Everybody's pointed in the same direction. It's just that everyone pretends it's the network. That's not NBC. They don't own the show. And people people don't realize that. Now, here's here's my question. The first thing I thought of was like, ah, oh, damn. And then I was like, oh, no. What about Yatide? What about the, <laughs> the rest of the actors on the show? And I think the fans are furious rightly so i'm livid but what do we do do we do we uh boycott do we yeah do we target where do we put our anger because i want your t-day to work too so what do we well, do the, the truth of the matter really is the protector of those people last season in the in the midst of you know what was people who don't care i mean all i can point out to you is this don't confuse yourself into thinking these people care Okay, they made such a hoopla about, oh, we love the slave ship scene. We love you. We love your work. But that didn't stop them from not writing for me at all for season two and throwing me that responsibility in the 11th hour. Right. Because I saw the popularity, but they didn't know how to handle it. Well, 
they didn't make any effort to it. It wasn't mm. a didn't know. There's a plenty of black writers out there that you could have hired to have come in and do that. It's not an absence of people who could have stepped in and told that story. It was that you didn't want to hire those people because you don't care about that story. You don't care about this character. You don't care about these characters of color. That's the truth. It's not a question of they didn't know what to do. Of course they knew what to do. They just didn't do it because they didn't care. If you, if my thing is what you want to do. All you can do is boycott that madness mm-hmm. um, it, because there's – or you can decide, hey, I want to check it out. For me, I'm not encouraging people to do any of those things. I'm just speaking what is my truth and my experience with those people. Now we're in a different game. I'm heavily involved in fandom as everybody would yeah. know. Hell, I'm pretty much the mayor of Comic-Con. Did you really think I wasn't going to tell fans that I wasn't on the show? And I'm in a tough position. How do I, how do I, how do I tell them? I told them the nicest way I could. So all I did was repeat it back what your guy had said and repeat it back the truth of who he is by not naming his name. What I didn't say was screw the actors, screw your show, burn in hell. I didn't say none of that. And that's and that's okay. why and and that's why I appreciate appreciate you doing this because the fans are definitely going to want to know what to do and I appreciate you clarifying that it's not about that we don't want to bash the actors of the show we are not talking about bashing no um, anybody it's not their fault they were caught in it last season they're caught in it this season and I'm sure they've been told not to talk to me and they're making their own decisions as human beings as to how they want to live their lives and that is their prerogative you can't be mad at nobody for that. Right, and this you is not bashing stars. This is literally just telling your story about a very toxic environment. Um, uh, yes, I was in a toxic environment wherein I did my job and nothing else. I didn't cause any waves. I didn't do anything. I behaved respectfully and honorably throughout this process. So I did what I was supposed to do. I did more than I was supposed to do because you asked me to. So let's very clear. You mad at me because you asked me to do this. You are sending these scenes out to the Emmys. Of course, you're playing, actually putting a real Emmy campaign behind it, but you submit it. <laughs> tell me how awesome it is, but you don't actually build a campaign about it. You're not buying ads and variety and deadline and billboards and for you're not doing that. So I get how y'all really feel. I'm not confused. <laughs> I get it. I really do get it. It's clear that they do not care because I guess they think black people are not the bones of that show and that black people don't care. I don't know why you would make that assumption on a network like Stars when the biggest show is power so that your subscriber base would have to be heavily women of color. Yeah, but we don't we don't exist. I mean, you don't know that? You don't know that? We don't exist. We- <laughs> right. So let me get this right. Guys, you're in a diversity movement. You're all screaming empower women. You're all screaming about those things. But then your business practices are that you fire Gabrielle Union and me in this type of environment and put us in the position where we, (laughs) neither of us, having been in business for a long time, have ever come out and said anything Mm -hmm. like this before. She's never done it. I've never done it. Gabby and I know each other forever. But here we are saying this is really nasty and we're pointing at yeah. you because you were really nasty. Yeah. I kind of already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you worried 
you know, like you you came out guns blazing this morning and said, listen, this is what it is. You're telling, you know, you're you're freely telling people what went on behind the scenes. Are you worried? Are you worried that it's going to get you, quote unquote, in trouble or blackballed or whatever? Are you worried about anything? Uh, I don't know. In trouble for what and blackballed by whom? Like, what, what did I do? The way I would phrase it is this. I've already been fired. It's not like they've they've already screwed me out of what they owe me financially. I'm already got to figure out what I'm going to do. You know what I'm what I'm going to go to uh, next as an actor. That's that's already coming up. Uh, I guess the question for me is: Do I believe? Do I vehemently believe that the entire whole of Hollywood <laughs> is on board with this type of treatment? And I've been in Hollywood for a long time, and this is one of the first times. I've ever experienced anything this bad and this egregious. So I, I can't tell people that the whole of Hollywood is that. I don't believe that the whole of Hollywood is evil. And that was part of what I kept trying to tell people on Sleepy Hollow, which was if I was the studio and I bought Sleepy Hollow, then I would have assumed that I bought the Ichabod Crane story. So if I'm sitting in an office and not really paying attention to all of the shows that I have on my air simply because I can't really follow the narrative on all of them, it would be normal for me to assume that I bought an Ichabod Crane show and that more Ichabod Crane is a good thing. That, that's a normal solution from an executive perspective about a show like that. That's not exactly racism. That's not what that is. Right now, I, I know people were like, "Man, they did you wrong. They did, you know, Nicole Bahari dirty, dirty, all, all true, right?" But there was, I don't, there wasn't a targeted campaign at me. You know, Nicole can speak to her own thing. I can't say that that was the case for me. So I, I don't. If what we're gonna do as people of color is fear the truth, and what we're gonna do as people of color is stuff the truth. Um, so that other people can feel okay about it, I, I can't. I can't, in good conscience, pass that message on to my daughters. That what they should do is shrink and allow people uh, to 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 treat them as a second class citizen when all they did was do their do what they were supposed to do to the best of their ability. So I, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that. I, I'm not. I'm not teaching that in my house. And, uh, you know, I have to stand on that. And, and whatever that cost is to me is whatever that cost is to me as, uh, you know, as a human. But uh, it's more important to me the role I play as a, as a father. And, you know, I didn't name names. I did it as elegantly and as respectfully as I could. Um and I certainly didn't get into any of the nasty details of what my experience were. And maybe that'll come out at a later date. But as it stands right now, I'm like, I stand by the decisions I made. I stand by the way I did them. I stand by the work I did. Um, and that's all I can really do. Now, here's the thing. Would you, if they sorted all this stuff out, would you even want to go back on the show at this point? Under what's, uh, I, I wouldn't know how, how they would sort that out. How do you, how do you sort that out? Yeah. If, if, I don't know how, I don't know how one sorts that out. I mean, at the yeah, end I, of the I, day. I, can't, I don't either. Cause everything you've described, like even if there was like a huge, huge campaign to get you back on the show, I don't like in good conscience, I don't want you in that environment. I, that's exactly my point. I, I, I put it this way. 
I, I guess the question is, would I go back to the plantation if they were nicer to me? Right, exactly. <laughs> if the beatings were yeah. once a day as opposed to three right, times a day? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can do that, really. Um, I'm not equipped for that. You know, I, I think the most egregious thing is, you know, what they did to my family, to be honest with you. And if I'm angry about anything, that's it. Um, beyond that, I don't operate from a place of anger with individuals, and I don't do things that are knee-jerk and, you know, and designed to try and, you know, go at people personally. That's just not my way as a human being. Um, so for me, it's more, if y'all want to talk to me, you know my number, you've known it all along. Yeah. So if you wish to call and say something, feel free to call and say something. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you screwed my family over, you screwed me out of, you know, a substantial number of, uh, amount of money, and you you really treated me in a very evil way. Like you could have just let me go and let me go do another show, but you took that opportunity away from me for no reason. I didn't do anything to you to deserve that type of treatment. And then you let me know who you really were by consistently paying off the white people. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to ignore all of that? Am I supposed to sit quietly and be a good boy and make sure like, why would I do any of those things? Because you were doing all all that work, all those rewrites, and they didn't even have to rewrite the scenes they, that they were credited they give these with writing. Weeks to write that garbage, and they give me a half day to rewrite it because mm. somebody else refused under duress. Come on, mm. I did that work, by the way. That's that's what went to air. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. I think that's the part that resonates with so many of us is that so many of us, especially in media. We'll do. We'll go the extra hour. We'll do the part-time unpaid diversity job because we we're trying to change the narrative. That's right. But it's so. It's not. It's a thankless job. And then right. on top I of that, I took the financial hit already. Yeah. I took the financial hit when I was doing the work that you paid somebody else to do, but you weren't paying me nearly what you paid them because retroactively, even though I've been in the Writers Guild longer than your showrunner and I'm tenured, still a retroactive deal has minimums based on it, but you're not paying me what you're paying Jesse Alexander and he's at home. Mm. I'm still running the writer's room, still telling the writer's room not to write this material that his production needs. So his production and all of the actors that he claims to care about and all the people he had meetings with and slapped on the back and whatnot, he wouldn't deign to help them rewrite the stuff so that he could be bitter and angry. And y'all let all that happen. And I was the one who cared, along with Lisa and Chris Byrne, and who fought to get that done so that those people didn't get screwed. It had to be done because if it wasn't done based on what Jesse was pulling, we wouldn't have anything to shoot. <laughs> yeah, it would have been, and yeah. Mm. Okay, so so, and you didn't have no problem dragging my ass out when it came to press and wanting me to sit there and sit on all those panels and listen to y'all bullshit and lie, and talk about the deadline article and all this other madness, and then even tell the truth in the first freaking place. Wow. So I I knew what actually happened, but I didn't say nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, because I had just busted my hump for us to get that work done. And I was proud of the fact that we got it to the place that we got it to at the end of the day and was very excited that season two launched as as well as it did based on the collective effort, the the cast and, you know, and, you know, co-exec producers put put forth to get it there. Right. What did I what did I do wrong to you people? Like, I don't understand. You could have just not invited me to press if you really wanted me to be quiet, quiet and not sit up under a thing. But you wanted me front and center in the press. 
Yeah, but that, what's what's so odd about that? And it's it's funny. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking of of Mouse and Devil in a Blue Dress. It's like, have you met me? Like, why why did you call me? <laughs> That's right. Like, why? That's right. If you didn't want me to say anything, why am I here? <laughs> Hey, listen. Like, have you met Orlando Jones ever? Like, I I would not, I don't think of Orlando Jones and think, oh, he's a wallflower that's just going to sit there. Like, have you met him? Hold on, let's be be clear. I was not a a season regular on season one. I was in Africa doing Medibo with Lawrence Fishburne, Mm -hmm. okay? I did two scenes in season one. Two scenes. Yet I was front and center in your press in season one. I didn't have any obligation to do any press for you. I wasn't a series regular. Yeah. You positioned. So I did that out of love for my for Brian Fuller and Michael Green, which I still have to this day. They're amazing and wonderful human beings, and I stand on that. I did that for them, and I did that because I love this character. And I did that because I was the one on Twitter saying to Neil Gaiman that I wanted to play this character. So I gave y'all all of that on love. Also because I was going, I was a series regular in season two. That was the plan. Right. Y'all been talking to me about Anansi Boys the entire time. So I understood what the plan was. And then all sorts of stuff got shaky and you threw, and, and then I did all the work I could possibly do to get us through season two to help us get there again with the ball being passed to me by Neil Gaiman Mm -hmm. just to get fired just before, you know, as season three is ramping up. So why would you get rid of the most popular person on your show? And if you're going to say to me that Mr. Nancy wasn't part of the heart and soul of American gods and why people watched, okay, then you might want to go look online and figure out why people are saying they ain't going to watch your show no more. You might want to go check that out because that's not me saying that. That that's your that's your fan saying that, folks. So. No, it, no, it absolutely is, and and your fandom stands with you. And yeah. I and, and I. And to be honest with you, my perspective remains that look, they're putting kids in cages. You know, there's yeah. Aleppo. There is the imminent violence that can happen on any given day on any given street, just for for being uh, a, a target uh, of those individuals who you know see us that way. So. You know, I still remain that I live a, a, a charmed and blessed life, but by the same token, this idea that it's stratified, right, that it, it only affects these people and it has no effect on anybody else is, is really the falsehood of it all. It's, it's, the truth of the matter is it affects us all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, um, you know, there, there's a, there, I always feel like sometimes people are like, no, it doesn't affect you. you <laughs> you're different. I'm like, no, no, not really. <laughs> I was going to say. Listen, cops, cops be stopping us all. They don't, they don't really. (laughs) That's exactly right. They don't really care. And because that's the reality of it on the street, you know, there's a belief system that when you get into the offices and you're dealing with these people that they don't adopt the same second class citizen treatment. They do because that's all they've ever seen. So they still fundamentally behave in the same way and are shocked and surprised to learn that <laughs> their abhorrent behavior is being called out for what it is. Uh, and then of course, then it's all excuses and, you know, and, and, you know, and they start pointing you at black friends and stupid shit like that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to, to, to early this girl. morning and talking to me and I appreciate the support. And we always, support man, you. Always. We support I, you. I, listen, I know it. 
the, the truth of the matter is you guys, along with the network that you have put together at the time, which I, I know still exists on the friendship level, you guys were the reason American Gods was trending in season one. I have an obligation to let these people know because all of those people should know, right? Because that's that was the army that I was aligned to. And, you know, I get it. And so I'm like, hey, let me let, let, me let the folks know. <laughs> and let's... Uh, you know, figure out where we're going to move forward to. And I, I do think that there are many awesome places to move forward to, so I'm not so worried about it. Uh, Good Lord Bird that I did with Ethan Hawke and him is, is pretty incredible. And that's a limited series on Showtime that'll be out this year. We're in post on it right now, based on James McBride's book. And so I'm excited out, about we'll that. Will be out still before the end of 2019 or in 2020? 2020. Okay. 2020. So we'll dope, a lot of fun, incredible incredible piece and check out the book it's amazing so you know i'm excited about good lord border good lord bird and ethan hawk is completely a a genuine artist a truly truly incredible human being like i love this man he's a, he's a he's the uh, working with him and on that project was the polar opposite of what i was dealing with and that was bloom house uh and uh and showtime where for me it's like why should I fear? I had an incredible experience with these folks here. Mm-hmm. The polar opposite of the experience I had with these folks here. And this work is just as important, just as powerful, and it's going to resonate just as much. Um, so, hey, grateful, blessed. So yeah, I just want to take a moment to thank Orlando Jones again for granting me the interview. And uh, I want to be clear that this was recorded within hours after he made his announcement. There's a lot of stuff that just kind of blew me away in this discussion. And for instance, Fremantle, the production company of record for American Gods uh, and America's Got Talent. And if you remember Glee, they seem to be more problematic than anyone thought. I didn't clearly didn't investigate that really that much yet, but I think I'm going to take a dive into that. Also, had the American Gods Fremantle team come to Jones right after the season two finale and said, you know what? That's it. We're done. I don't think we, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because that's how things went down with Sleepy Hollow. It seems like Jones's issue is the fact that they waited. And it seems like unless he said anything, we literally would be looking at a season three without him and just the fans, us tuning in, just being angry, which is crazy. And I, I understand why he waited to go public. I've done it myself, not wanted to go public to rip a company to pieces because you've got friends there or you don't want to be labeled as problematic because, hey, you actually want to work again. It's frightening how his situation on this show sounds like conversations I've had with other black folks about what they go through at their office. So there's definitely a pervasive attitude now that is really, really... uh really scary. 
Now, as far as his scenes on social media, uh, the network can't control when fans talk about shows. I mean, season two was well over when much of Orlando's work was pushed around on social media again in November. But that happens on streaming shows. It happens. People don't always watch them when they air. Sometimes they buy the season after it's over and watch it. That's what Amazon has made millions of dollars doing. But still, Orlando's work on the show went viral after they fired him and they still didn't say anything. Why? Well, I have a theory. Black Twitter. The more we talk about shows, the more free advertising they get. And they capitalized on that. On us thinking we were going to help push another season of this show, even though they had taken out one of our own. I'm upset. That's not what I built this platform for. That's not what the Blurred community is for. And I think they're about to find out this gamble that they took with this character, this gamble with, let's not tell the fans, let's let them just figure it out. I think they're going to figure out that it failed, that it backfired. Why? Because we're angry. And at the end of this year that we've had, 2019, we're really angry. And angry gets shit done. So do me a favor, comment on this episode, share it with your friends. Let me know what you think of this entire situation. Good luck, everybody. And I will see you on the interwebs. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.